The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Engaging conversation with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Breaking news with Eileen Bell and sports with Morley Scott. This is the Afternoon News on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. Thanks for joining us on this Wednesday. Yeah, I was going to say, thankfully, Jaylen, it wasn't today that you took off for uh, (laughs) other matters. This is not what we would describe, I I think, in the news business as a slow news day. No, it's been a busy news day. And as you heard off uh, the top of the 2 o'clock newscast with Eileen Bell, we're finding out more details of that incident in Shored Park last night. We can tell you um, it has been confirmed exclusively to to Global that a car packed with uh, explosives was found in Shored Park. Park last night, uh, believed to be inside was something called Tannerite, a, a large amount, and it came to police attention when a loud bang was heard from the parking garage. Yeah, and as you've been hearing on our news, uh, our last newscast, a male with severe life-threatening injuries was found. Police believe the car belonged to him. They haven't confirmed that yet. Uh, the car was outside the Strathcona County Civic Office, so this is not believed to be a national security event. Uh, motive is still unknown at this time, but we're going to uh, carry a live presser at 3. Well, it was interesting at around 11, 11.30, there was a news conference this morning with the RCMP superintendent, the mayor, and uh, there was no information released at that time. They just said, yeah. uh, we're holding a news conference to tell you that we can't tell you anything at this point. And don't we'll let speculate. You know at three. We'll let you know right. at 3 o'clock. Yeah. So you'll hear it uh, live right here on uh, 6.30 Ched. Also today, uh, Tony Clement, now out of the Federal Conservative Caucus, uh, Party Leader Andrew Scheer, says he asked Clement to tender his res- resignation and that he has complied. Clement has admitted that he sent sexually explicit photos and a video to someone online who then tried to extort him for money. Scheer says he took Clement at his word that this was a single occurrence, but new allegations have come to light suggesting that that might not be the case. Yeah, and of course, uh, you can't have missed the fact that there was midterm elections down south of us last night. Uh, U.S. Democrats winning a House majority, gaining power to investigate the president, among other things, possibly help shape the nation's political agenda for the next two years. Uh, the Republicans holding on to the Senate majority. A lot going on and a lot to sort <laughs> oh out boy. this afternoon. Uh, so joining us to take a look at it all is John McAndrews with the Monk School of Global Affairs in the Department of Political Science at the University of Toronto. Hi, John. Thanks for joining us. Good afternoon. You're coming through loud and clear. Please oh, be excellent. Glad that's to the hear. most important thing right about now. <laughs> right. I guess perhaps, you know, it's any it's dealer's choice here, but let's start with the uh, U.S. midterms. Is there a, a clear winner or loser here? Gosh, um, uh, there's something that both Democrats and Republicans can cheer for. I would say if there was a clear winner, and this is, uh, this is perhaps tongue-in-cheek, it's, uh, it's political scientists and pollsters. Their predictions <laughs> were more or less on the money here. Um, these are, these are um, uh, historically difficult for the president's party, these midterms. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what we saw uh, last night, and of course votes are still being counted, are largely in keeping with, uh, with historical precedent. So may I ask, just so we understand, um, was uh, were the Democrats expected or, uh, you know, I hope, I, I'm sure Democrats hope to take control of the Senate, but were they expected to or would that have been an upset? No, Democrats were not expected to take the Senate. Uh, the set of Senate seats that were up uh, for uh, election yesterday, so only a third of the Senate comes up 
every two years. The set that was up uh, yesterday uh, heavily favored Republicans, that is to say Democrats were defending a majority of seats, and so it was highly unlikely Democrats would have taken the Senate. All righty. So, uh, so with the Democrats gaining control of the House, um, how is this significant to what's going to happen over the next couple of years? What can we see happen or not happen, I guess, um, over the next couple of years, John? Sure. So a uh, couple of observations. Uh, one, I think, is, is the most straightforward, which is that uh, gridlock will increase, yeah. right? So uh, passing laws in the United States, of course, requires the House, the Senate, and the President to all come on side. Uh, and that's just going to be harder when uh, when a different party controls uh, when different parties control those different institutions. So gridlock is going to go up, and probably with it, if you can imagine, some of the the partisan vitriol um, uh, in Washington. <laughs> uh, what may change uh, uh, even more noticeably is um, is uh, the investigations uh, related to the president and his administration. So of course, Democrats and the majority in the House now have the power to to subpoena uh, documents to uh, uh, hear witnesses. Um, and I'm expecting quite a bit more in the way of investigations of the president. So does that change as a result at all, or what impact will Jeff Sessions' uh, resignation have? Yeah, so I think we're all uh, coming to grips with this. This is a, a very fast-moving uh, moving story, uh, and we've already seen some, some indication from um, uh, Democrats uh, in the House and soon to be the new House majority uh, indicating that they, they would like answers from the incoming acting attorney general about his intentions with respect to the Mueller investigation. And you can imagine that once the new Congress is, is sworn in in January, the Democrats would uh, would start uh, start investigation. Going back to the results uh, from, from last night, um, there was a, a large voter turnout. What does that tell you about um, how things are feeling in America these days? Yeah, so I, I have sort of um, mixed views about uh, about the voter turnout. So I think uh, the best current estimates are at around uh, 49% of eligible voters turned out, which is about a 9% uptick from the historical average of midterms, right? Mm-hmm. But down about 10 percentage points from a typical uh, presidential election year. Um, uh, so it's definitely uh, a reflection of uh, increased voter interest and probably uh, uh you know, two years of, of a historically controversial president sort of uh, 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 coming to a head. Uh, on the other hand, though, you have to sort of look at this and say, well, you know, one out of every two eligible voters decided to take a pass on this election, despite the last two years. And I, I still find that somewhat surprising. Yeah, surprising well, is one a, word. There's a lot of Americans who are obviously still quite happy with the president. Yeah, or uh, well, and or just didn't bother to vote, despite uh, the importance of this particular election. You know, looking at uh, the overall election, we have to when you look at the United States elections, it's quite complicated in comparison to Canadian elections, of course. Um, so there's a couple of things to look at. In the United States, parties don't necessarily vote specifically along party lines, do they? That's true. So uh, within each of the parties in Congress, in the House and in the Senate, there is some variation. So you can identify um, um, some uh, more moderate uh, Republicans, some more uh, moderate Democrats, as opposed to uh, your more liberal Democrats and your more conservative Republicans. That's quite true. Um, uh, but it was certainly the case more in the middle of the 20th century than it is now. So uh, the kind of uh, ideological uh, uh, polarization uh, that we've seen uh, in recent years it's been a long time coming. Uh, the, both parties are much more ideologically uh, homogeneous 
and distinct from each other. And that, like I say, has, has been a trend over the last 50, 60 years. So, you know, here, I, I wanted to get your insight on this. I, I had a conversation with an American over a beer on a cruise ship about uh, three months ago. <laughs> and I really just wanted to talk to an average American and, and ask, you know, how do you see it? And he was from uh, the Midwest. And what he said was a couple of things that sort of resonated with me and then were somewhat confirmed last night. He said that uh, two things. One was that if you look at the results of an election in the United States, you'll tend to see a lot of uh, interest on both sides, uh, or particularly on the Democratic side, of the coasts, of the East Coast, West Coast, and that it's, uh, you know, the central part of the United States that feels typically ignored by government, and that's what, uh, you know, uh, Donald Trump appeals to, that that feeling that they've been passed over, ignored for many years. And the other thing he said to me, which I've never been able to get out of my head, uh, was that I asked him, does it concern you at all that your president is constantly seen as lying? And he said, well, all politicians are lying. Trump just isn't a good liar. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, comment on either of those, if you will. Sure. So I think, I think the first thing to observe, if I, I sort of put my political science hat on here, is that uh, what's driving a lot of voter attitudes, a lot of voter behavior, is what we call in the business a party identification. So if you get asked by a pollster, you know, thinking about uh, uh, politics today, do you consider yourself a Democrat or Republican or what? Sort of your answer to that is what we call party identification. There's something analogous in Canada as well. And that drives a lot of this. So people who, who think of themselves as Democrats overwhelmingly vote Democratic. People who think of themselves as Republican overwhelmingly vote Republican. And that, again, has increased over, over recent decades. And this sort of uh, orientation to politics drives a lot of attitudes and a lot of ways in which uh, uh, voters process information. So there's good reason to think that a Democrat will uh, uh, listen to a news report, an unfavorable news report about the president, and discount a lot of that information, whereas a Democrat would take the opposite view. And so uh, I think the first stop in all of these explanations has to be this idea of party identification. Uh, uh, the American electorate is uh, uh, strongly divided on, on partisan lines. To be sure, there are independents, about maybe 10% of the American electorate are quote-unquote pure independence, but the vast majority are partisans or lean partisan, and that's driving a lot of what's going on. I think uh, the next two years, John, are going to be uh, a long <laughs> two years. I mean, I think, uh, you know, the the race to uh, the White House just started at about a minute after uh, midnight last night. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good observation, right? So we're headed into uh, Iowa caucuses in January 2020, right? So that's, what, how many months out? Yeah. Uh, 12, 14 months. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, it, the, the, the race for the, the, the presidential nominations will heat up. You know, uh, there's some reason to be optimistic here. I'm not especially optimistic, but um, I think there's some uh, incentive for both the president and the Democrats in the House to do uh, some kind of deal uh, that they can take back to their respective electorates, their respective constituents, and say, we got something done. Okay. And that might take the form of uh, prescription drug prices or infrastructure spending. So it may not be entirely doom and gloom, but I think you're right to, to, to believe that it's, it's going to be it's going to be a tough two years. Let's uh, switch yeah. gear. Let's switch gears to Tony Clement. Boy, oh boy, what did what did you think when you heard this last night? Oh, so this is another really fast moving story, yeah. and so uh, I, I was I was shocked last night, um, and then I was shocked again um, around midday with. Uh, with the, the subsequent decision uh, to resign from, from the uh, Conservative Caucus itself. So last night, uh, my initial reaction was, um, 
you know, this is, I mean, he, he himself concedes that this was a, a serious lapse in judgment, as did uh, his party leader last night. Uh, and there seems to me like there might be a, 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 a bit of a, a charitable interpretation here, which is that he had the integrity to uh, bring this to everyone's attention and presumably remove the incentive for the blackmail. Um, come, come midday today, however, when we have uh, um, more information about the nature of these allegations and, and other allegations, I think that that's kind of... Um, that becomes overly charitable in terms of <laughs> you know let's uh, let's talk about that for a second because since this story broke now a number of people have sort of stepped up and almost matter-of-factly and said oh yeah uh, you know Tony Clements had some odd behavior on social media over the years uh, oh you know. boy there's Twitter streams left right and center yeah. right now that are fascinating to read they really are you know him uh, supposedly uh, or allegedly uh, liking a whole string of uh, you know some woman's Cuban vacation and this kind of thing <laughs> Uh, does it sh- shock you at all that it takes a bigger story like this to cast light upon these smaller stories? Because wouldn't those smaller stories also be of concern, given his position? Yeah, I, I would think so as well. I mean, it certainly reflects a serious lack of, of, of judgment on his part. And he is in an important position with this uh, National Security Committee mm-hmm. of Parliamentarians, which makes makes this all the more uh, all the more concerning. I mean, one thing I would I would observe here is that we, we, we don't really have all the information yet. Um, I've done a little bit of work uh, uh, as, a, as a political scientist in terms of voters' attitudes towards politicians who are accused of sexual misconduct. And I think one of the things that, that shakes out of that research is that voters uh, are really attuned to the results of, of an investigation. So if, in fact, there is an investigation, I think that's what voters will eventually lock in on in terms of how they end up judging Tony Clement. Well, you know, the other interesting thing for me is that you have uh, Tony Clement, uh, you know, openly admitting that this happened to him. Uh, then you have Shear saying, well, you know, upon further investigation, we, this wasn't an isolated event, mm. potentially, right? So wouldn't that have meant that Tony Clement lied to his leader? That's my interpretation, yes. Mm-hmm. That's what uh, Andrew Shear seems to be implying, yes. Which would suggest that it, for me as a voter, it would be, that would be the more egregious error that... You know, it's one thing, and both are bad. It's kind of like breaking your leg in two places instead of four, but both are bad. Uh, but to suggest that he shows bad judgment in sharing pictures that is true, but greater bad judgment in lying to your leader or to your boss. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, I'm not in an especially good position to, <laughs> to, to weigh in on, on, uh, on these kinds of questions, other than to observe that, as a political scientist, we know that... Uh, that uh, uh, voters do weigh a uh, candidate's integrity pretty heavily. Yeah. Uh, Tony Clement, I think his margin in the last uh, in the last federal election, 2015, was somewhere in the order of five percentage points. Mm. Uh, and so, if he does intend to run again, it will be um, uh, it will be uh, very difficult for him to get reelected. Well, just think, he ran for he ran for leader of the party. Well, too. I was going yeah. to ask that. I mean, is this a guy that was sort of a prince he's, in waiting, he's or been a, he's been a he's, he's been a politician for a roles. very long time. Yeah. So yeah, he's been in politics for quite some time um, here provincially in Ontario, and then uh, in in the Harper government, holding down some uh, important positions uh, in in both the provincial uh, Conservative government, and the federal Conservative government, and now um, uh, in the opposition on this uh, 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 National Security Committee of Parliamentarians. So he's been in politics for, for a long time. I'm not sure I would characterize him though as sort of a uh, a prince in waiting. He does seem to contest a lot of leadership races and doesn't seem to have a lot of success. Mm. Yeah. Still a high-profile member. 
Certainly. It's yeah. a very recognizable name. Well, it's an interesting, like I say, it's been an interesting evening, morning, and, and afternoon here uh, in politics. You must Stop feel... taking pictures of your stuff, Well, man. it's just, you know Come what, on. it's just the craziest thing, isn't it? Make sure you know who you're sending it to. <laughs> well, yeah. Jeepers. Uh, it, it is funny how, you know, we tend to take these kind of stories and sort of break them down and analyze them and look at the impact that it could have and what might have led to it and what the reaction is and what's going to, what will be the consequences. But at the end of the day... Uh, a guy took pictures and videos and sent them to a stranger. That all by itself is pretty bad, isn't it? Yeah, so again, yeah. I'm hesitant to... Uh, this is not something I feel especially qualified John, to do. John, I'll answer it for you. Yeah, yourself yeah. or your listeners. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, I, I, I would say... Uh, uh, personally, that seems like pretty pretty shocking uh, uh, judgment. Uh, yeah. Certainly, yeah. John, I'll say it for you. Yes, yeah, it is shocking right. judgment. There you go. <laughs> hey, uh, John McAndrews joining us this afternoon from the Monk School of Global Affairs. Also uh, works at the Department of uh, Political Science at the University of Toronto. Uh, is uh, a researcher into U.S. politics. John, thanks for joining us this afternoon. We really appreciate you taking the time. My pleasure. Have a good afternoon. Yeah, you, you as well. too. Oh my goodness, like. We, Someone texted in, okay, is this Canada's Anthony Weiner? Well, apparently it is. Apparently it is. I mean, it's just one of those funny things where you go, hey, if it was the manager of produce at Safeway, would you be, yeah, I'd be equally concerned. But, you know, as John said, and as we know, when the story first came out and it was, it sounded like an extortion attempt. Yes. It reminded me of the the David Letterman thing and how David Letterman yes. came out and he handled blah, blah, blah and, and this sort of stuff. Yes, there's a difference between maybe being a Canadian politician and having, uh, sitting on some of the committees that he is on and, and David Letterman. But then as we find out more and more um, reports or stories, these more stories right. start coming out um, about inappropriate, uh, alleged inappropriate yes. behavior. It's like, Huh. Because you know what the key is, Jalen, and it really doesn't matter whether you're a, a politician, a radio host, a, it doesn't matter. a, a it's personality. Your person in power. Right. What the problem is is that when you see a potential storm like this rolling in, which of course this is, people will advise you, as mm-hmm. media consultants will mm-hmm. advise you, and social media consultants, get ahead of it. So he, but but part of getting ahead of it is being completely transparent. And I suspect maybe he was hoping against hope that uh, nothing, no, else nothing else would, else come, would up. come up out of it. Or, but right, either he didn't think anything else would come up of it, or he didn't see any of his other behavior as being newsworthy. Liking pictures on Instagram, why is that newsworthy? Or, well, well the, coupled with the and this conduct, it there's, is. There's other stuff. It's yeah, you know late know. night DMs to yep. strangers on on Instagram, and and he is very social or he was very social media savvy like he yeah, was yeah he had uh you know thousands upon thousands of followers was on instagram was on twitter mm-hmm. you name it yeah um but uh yeah if if you want to find yourself into a rabbit hole this afternoon on twitter no kidding go take a, a sniff around there and uh start reading some of the stuff that's being put up there it's, it's uh it's quite um Shocking, alarming, and again, more weirdly fascinating. Uh, before I just, you take I break. just can't. Be- I, yeah, I know, I know. I just can't. Well, I, I don't know why I can't believe it because it just it keeps happening. I, I just want to say to Nancy, who just texted in, I, I'm, I'm we're probably not going to read that text on air, uh, but I totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. That's right. No one wants to uh, see that. Yeah, that's not exactly how Nancy put it, but that's right.
You can have, yeah. Your wife doesn't want to see it, fellas. <laughs> just, just you know, your wife doesn't. There's a reason the lights go out. <laughs> Too kidding. Is it a Christian moralist commentary? People who want to see it? Ha ha. That's so how does a billion dollar porn industry stay profitable? <laughs> no, they're quite different, what those difference? two things. <laughs> People seek out pornography. They don't ask to get unsolicited pictures well, of your apparently junk. They, you know, that he thought mm-hmm. he was in, a, in yeah, some yeah. sort of a relation and went and it went back and forth. That's that's it. But I have never been accused of being just, a Christian moralist. But before. here's <laughs> just on, on that front, just yes. the sheer lack of judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, fifty thousand euros is what apparently the ransom is, and, and you yeah. know the talk, the talk saying that he hadn't met this, but it was like an online thing. You know, it's not like mm-hmm. it's not like you're dating someone, you're having right. a relationship with someone, you've maybe met them face to face, and then you want to do, hey, if you want to do, blow your skirt off, right, right. But make sure you know who you're sending them to. If right, if if I had learned uh, that a member of parliament uh, was frequenting a uh, pornographic site, I, mm. I I couldn't care less. Yeah. To be honest with you, yeah. the difference here is in the exchange of yeah. uh, you know personal <laughs> pictures. I do you want your member of parliament taking pictures of his junk and sending them to anybody? You can't possibly think that that's a a Christian well, moral wife, attitude. Sure that's that's just, not happening either. Yeah, just being pragmatic. Let's not elect people who make stupid decisions like that. I mean, seriously. Well, that's a whole other topic right there. My goodness. It's 2.30. Eileen Bell has your headlines coming up on the other side. Um, The 75th anniversary of the Dam Busters raid. We'll talk about that coming up. The 6.30 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad.